Hey, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Hannah. And this is Food in the Film. When you're poor and hungry with nothing to do, have we got food and a film for you. Bring over your butt and bring over your mouth. Cause food and a film is coming right now. Today is a super exciting episode of Food in a Film. We are joined by the host of Cheap Eats on Cooking Channel. He's a food blogger. He's an overall awesome dude. Ali Khan, thanks for joining us. What's up, man? I mean, two of those three things you can verify. The third one, we'll find out. I think we'll find out a positive of that third one today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for joining us in this weird, strange time we're all living in right now. Quarantine. Quarantine time. But uh, how have you been holding up? Yeah, well, you know, how about that? How? I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm... I really regret not getting a haircut. This all started. You can do at-home haircuts. Uh, I gave myself a haircut two days ago. I, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Just, My wife's like, you need to order the clippers because it's going to take a while. Yeah. But I think it'll make a great Instagram post because that's that's what I've been resorted to. Hannah used to actually cut my hair at home before it was cool it's to cut hair at home. Just look up a couple of YouTube videos. Yeah, it's a great money saver. I, yeah. It's easy. I mean, yeah, I, I'm almost banking on a little bit of failure. You know, I feel like I do the haircut that, you know, most guys you know I, i'm i'm 42 and hopefully I'll, I'll be 43 this year and you know i feel like a lot of people in my boat they're like they do the high and tight haircut it kind of makes you look a little younger you know what i mean yeah yeah, it's yeah. like I, I i look at myself and i just i have sideburns but sideburns grow out so long the top of my head not so much the sideburns are incredibly <laughs> long you can you can grab them as my eight-year-old does when we rest some mutton chop <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't play bass, and it's not the 70s. Well, you so can always not, go as Wolverine for Halloween. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, it's just the Hugh Jackman thing. It's like, yeah, you can have unkept sideburns if you have that kind of yeah. a six or eight pack. <laughs> yeah. The rest of us, it's, it's, you got to have yeah. one with the other. Yeah, no, and otherwise kinda, you just look like a janitor. Yeah. You know, that's you look like you're from it. Tiger King. Yeah. Nobody wants like, that. Look at that. Totally <laughs> Great reference, man, because we're actually going to talk about <laughs> Tiger King in the film part of this podcast. But uh, Ali, let's talk about your food blogging a little bit and Cheap Eats and how you kind of got into this world. Yeah, isn't that? Everyone wants to know about that (laughs) one. Well, I mean, you know, the the, the Hallmark version is it was a 10-year journey uh, to get a food show. So in 2004, I met a guy named Jeff Morrow who years later would win Food Network. But before then... We were two guys living in L.A. Uh, We were introduced by his cousin, whom I went to college with. And he was a screenwriter who had a bit of success and was just busy coming up with cool ideas and whatnot. And he was like, you should meet my cousin. He's really into food. You guys are like fun, funny guys. You'd get along well. So we came up with a food show called Chef Jeff and Ali, which pretty much involved us cooking for a bunch of, you know, our like, you know, buzzed drunken friends who didn't really know a lot about food. the best we were, audience yeah and we were the you know the most capable people we were the we were the people who were 25 who actually went to whole foods yeah. regularly you know what i mean um this speaks to a different era different time where not everyone was that much of a foodie so long story short we pitched a cooking show uh we met some interesting producers and stuff along the way never got it across the finish line right um 
some years later he would win Food Network Star, and I actually worked on a spinoff show of his called $24 in 24 Hours. My background, why I even got into food in the first place, was almost equally kind of random and accidental. I wrote a restaurant guidebook for Los Angeles. Um, look, I never thought about food as any kind of professional career. I just ate and ate and ate. Um, before they were foodies, we were just fat kids. No one cared, right? <laughs> and I had a friend of mine who was writing for a magazine. This was before the internet was in the palm of your hand. And people actually wrote little guidebooks. So a friend of mine who I went to school with, he lived in New York. I lived in L.A. He's like, listen, I got to write this thing, an L.A. guidebook. You know tons of restaurants and stuff. I think you should work on this. And I worked on it. The book got published. And my friends who went to film school were like, dude, that's what you need to be doing. You need to, you want to be in front of a camera, we get that. Talk about food, talk about food. Yeah. So 10 years later for chasing whatever opportunities I could, um, the wheels went round. I got an email, um, you know, like I had all these materials that kind of morphed over the years. You know, first I had, look, at one point I had a PDF that had writing samples that I would send out. That turned into blogs. Um, social media came about. And I mean, when I started Instagram and Twitter, I very much made it food focused, right? So I was there when the influencing game was in its infancy, I guess, because I was just trying to be on TV, you know? Right, you were just um, grinding to get to somewhere. You were adapting to what the world needed. So you wrote food guides when that's what people wanted, and then you got into the social media game, which is not easy to do. This is, this is fascinating. This is a great story. Sorry, keep going. No, no, it's, that's, it's, that's what it was. I mean, um, in my mind, I was like, how do I get a food show? And how do I get my personality onto some sort of media that I could share? And at first it was like, let's shoot this, let's edit it. And the idea was like, let's get it on TV. And in that 10 year process from 2004 to 2014, we, you know the world changed in terms of who gets to be on tv and how and how you get to you know be a personality and and essentially create an audience i mean now it's like i mean my, my god like even when i started cheap eats the idea of going oh you should have a youtube channel i was like well why i just want to be on tv now you gordon ramsay has a youtube channel, yeah right, right? youtube is where gordon, people are going now yeah and and that's what's really crazy you know i actually do a talk at the University of Texas in Austin to their journalism school. And at first they're like, oh, you're on TV, that's so cool, tell us how you got there. And really the talk becomes about, my God, how much has the world changed? I mean, I'll tell you, when Food Network was basically saying, we want this guy to have a TV show, a big part of it was because of iPhones. It's because mm -hmm. all of a sudden everyone became a food photographer and they were able to share their experience. And just tapping into that, is, I mean, we're still trying to figure that all out. Mm -hmm. A big factor for me, too, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Tastemade. Yeah. So Tastemade, you know, so Tastemade, way back when I first came across them, was strictly, like, you know, produced shows on YouTube. And they created an app. And the app was kind of like Yelp, but instead of just writing a review, you would make a video review. And they had a very simplified, cool program, kind of like Instagram Stories, for shooting, editing, adding music and titles to food videos. So I, when I discovered that app, I was like, and I'll tell you something, seriously, like 
from 2004 to 2014, 10 years, everyone's like, oh, man, yeah, I'm gonna, one day I'm going to get there. There were loads of times, all the way up until now, where I'm like, what am I doing? This is insane. Is this ever going to happen? And when I went into Tastemade, I had already started a bit of a career working in food TV as a producer and as a creative and a researcher, right? And I walked into their studios, right, in 2013. I hadn't worked in months. I was on unemployment. I had a mortgage and I had a kid. I had to kill my, my uh, 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 what do you call it, kid sitting, child daycare. <laughs> you know, when, when, when I went to like take this meeting, right? And I walked in and there was a soundstage. And the person's like, so what do you envision here? And literally I was like, F it. I want my own show. Like, even then, I yeah. should have thought for, you know, what, what's the safer path? I kind of went a little crazy. But <laughs> they said, use the app. I used the app. And long story short, all the videos I made on that app were cut together as a presentation tape to, um, and I still call it tape, right? It's, it doesn't, it's not tape. It's right. video. <laughs> um, but that all got cut uh, into uh, a presentation video for Food Network, who said, you know what? Let's, here's some money make us a little pre make another presentation video and then we'll see about getting you a show so it was really i i it, it I, all this technology i was kind of like yeah okay i'll use it to get to this tv goal and what happened was there was such reverberation there was like man these this youtube's a thing this instagram's a thing and these people who are about food or about anything about sharing whatever mm -hmm. however they see the world uh, reverberates through these social media channels that really cheap eats is just a reflection of the way the world changed. Well, that and I'm a big believer in, you know, the blue collar lunch. Right, right. It's just those like quick hitter, lots of information in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And you can watch it whenever you want. And then, you know, you just you get to, you know, it's funny. Like uh, when I do this talk, I, I really kind of say like, you know, there's a time where, you know, there were gatekeepers to the media world. And that's very much changing. I mean, mm -hmm. even now, if you want to look at the, quote, TV business, look at what streaming is, right? And I'd, I'd challenge you this. If you look at Netflix, they're a tech company. They're not an entertainment company. They're yeah. a tech company that's gotten into the entertainment business, and they 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 have a different strategy of it. So it, it, it's weird. I You know, I... I, at this point, I, I have to learn more about the business side of it. But it's very much just, man, it's about how much the world has changed, you know. And then yeah. <laughs> cut to coronavirus. Yeah, to really bring the world together. Food wasn't enough to bring the world together. Yeah, but now it's making these Instagram videos even more relevant now. And, you know, posting videos of what we're making for dinner gives you something to look forward to. Hundred percent, and yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, it's crazy. This is the truth: is TV is even though like in some ways there's like big financial hits in the industry people are, the ratings are up ratings are through the roof yeah <laughs> sure they are everyone's watching i smell a conspiracy theory <laughs> yeah no <laughs> do you do you feel because you have a little bit of a theater background too right ali yep do oh, you yeah. do you feel that that helped you to be able to kind of propel yourself and be ready to make these videos and you know put yourself into that world a little bit quicker you know i mean look there there's no doubt like the theater background, even though I, I don't know how long I questioned that degree, right? You guys are both theater majors, right? Yeah, yeah we're both actors. I mean, so. It's hilarious, right? You get this degree. I mean, I took classes where it's like breathe like a gazelle, yeah. lie on your back. Oh, yeah. Like, I took bowling. Right? Yeah, dude, exactly. <laughs> right? 
Exactly. But you got that oh. piece of paper, so. Alexander yeah, technique. Mean, oh my God, yes. Oh, yeah, we went down that road. That's, yeah. Um, uh, oh my God. But I tell you, you know, that is why, like, you know, it's very interesting, like, when you meet the other people in this industry who are holding the cameras and whatnot, they actually do appreciate people who have had that kind of training, who can go, okay. Mm-hmm hit your mark again give me another line read again because i never could do that like there's some people who just happen to pop you know what i mean yeah and that you don't have to do go you don't have to learn to breathe like a gazelle and pay somebody <laughs> in college a lot of money to do that um but, but when but you breathe like a gazelle on stage them. everyone will notice yeah you know, I, notice. I mean look I, I've been told this before from other Food Network talent. They're like, oh, you're like that guy. They're a theater geek. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, it it does, you know, it does, it does lend itself. You know what I mean? It, it certainly does lend itself. It, it, you know what? I wouldn't be me. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, if you're studying a scene, right? And what do they always tell you in acting? Like acting's listening. It's not just waiting for acting you to is yeah. reacting. <laughs> acting is. Well, I, I remember I said e- uh, writing is rewriting. <laughs> this guy goes eating is reeating. Blogging is reblogging. Yeah, I know reblogging. But um, I mean, look, I, I'll tell you straight up. Yeah, if you, if you take a couple theater classes and you learn to like get comfortable in front of a stage. Welcome to the world yeah. of sales and public speaking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's there are extremely practical aspects oh, of yeah. it. I just think it's funny when I think, I mean, you guys are theater majors. So, like, one time we had Anthony Edwards come and speak to us, who is the guy. I mean, I'll always know him as Goose from Top Gun. Yeah. Right. A whole other generation will be like, oh, it's Dr. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, doc, yeah Dr. Green. Yeah. Right, Dr. Yeah. Green. <laughs> That's who I know. I didn't even watch it. I know Clooney is it, but he wasn't even called Dr. Dreamy. I don't even know. But, um, you know, Anthony Edwards, you know, came to talk to us. And, you know, he was like, listen, if you're going to be doing this, you're going to be doing, you know, Shakespeare festivals in Ashland, Oregon. And uh, I remember at the time I was like, heck yeah, man, that's what I'm about. <laughs> Cut to 20 years later. Yeah. Oh, I need to get that Kroger deal going. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's crazy, you know, but I mean, it's, it's it kind of like everything else. Like, it, there's no way anyone's going to say like, oh, you learned this and that, and that's what you're going to do for the rest mm-hmm. of your life because the world changes. I didn't have an email address in college. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I clearly walked out of college in 1999 not prepared. Yeah. So what are you going to do? I mean, I walked do? out of college in 2014, and I didn't feel prepared for anything either. Yeah, right. It's, we all get to where we get somehow. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Like, this is kind of the cheesy part, but in the, isn't that why they call it commencement? Because you're not done. <laughs> yeah. You just started. You know. I, I yep. mean, you know, man. I remember my, my roommate in college. Like he had his like talk with his uh, you know course advisor. And they were like, so what are your plans? And he like was telling me this. And he's like, he like, you know, mine, like he was rubbing his eyes, like the dream is over. And I think for guys like us, like, yeah, when we were in college, it was kind of dreaming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are people who were studying economics, electrical engineers. We were breathing like the gazelle. Yeah. Like the Alexander technique. But hey, you know, you know what I think is cool about a theater degree? the literature education you get yeah yeah that that that's something and you know i feel like to a certain degree if you study theater and you've read a lot of plays you can appreciate writing 
I mean, shoot, like that. People don't write. I mean, people don't read. Actually, I don't really read right. either. But I, I read <laughs> once. You know. Yeah, when it mattered. Tennessee. When it mattered. I read that Tennessee Williams play. Yeah, I mean, we, we like writing more than we like reading, but you got to read to be a good writer. You got to be a good reader to be a good writer. Or, or Grammarly, let's be honest. Yeah. We all see those ads. <laughs> There's an app for that. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about Milwaukee a little bit because you did go to Milwaukee on Cheap Eats. We are from Milwaukee. I've lived here my whole life. How did you like Milwaukee? I love Milwaukee, man. I Like I said, I grew, I grew up in st louis before i headed out to the west coast um so you know i I knew the midwest is cool you know what i mean i knew it was more than just a stereotype uh milwaukee was really rad i mean we caught a brewers game uh i'm a cardinals fan so i love watching Uh, the days when you could go to miller park Uh, oh man great beer great beer um the I, i mean like you know the restaurants were all really good blues egg was great um the lunch place was actually a spinoff of Odd Duck, Milwaukee. Um, and unfortunately, they closed, but it was... Delicious. Yeah, Hello Falafel. Yeah. Yeah. It oh was great. God. That's right by where we live. We live like six blocks away from there. And you know, oh, very cool neighborhood. Yeah, like, love I it. loved... Yeah. You know, I feel like with, with you know, look, you work... Hannah, you work in the restaurant industry, right? Yeah. Like, how right. many hip restaurants... Um, how many hip restaurants take advantage of those gentrified areas? And I feel like Milwaukee's an older city. Yeah. These places are just popping up left and right. And we'll always have our staples, but um, I like seeing these new, these new restaurants coming up. So many times Dave and I go places and we're, we're disappointed and we're like, gosh, this is why we never leave our house. But that's happening less and less because there's so much competition now. And, I mean, I'm here for it because I can only benefit from it from getting good food. I, mean, I feel like, too, you guys are so you're great. One of the things I found from doing very much season two of Cheap Eats, but Milwaukee to season three, is Chicago is such a powerhouse city for mm-hmm. food. And I feel like it feeds the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. Like, we met people who were, like, chefs in Chicago who started up places in Indianapolis. And obviously Milwaukee's so close too. So it, it, it really spreads. That great food scene kind of spreads out from there because obviously Chicago's got this huge market, but you're very much in the throes of it mm-hmm. because folks can work in Chicago and live in Milwaukee. Yeah, right. we are so close. Well, and I think that people are starting to realize too, like food experiences are fun and exciting and people should have more of them. And when we're opening these more quote unquote foodie restaurants in Milwaukee, it's having people go out more and experience more. And once we get out of coronavirus, it's going to be even nicer to see that scene popping up again. Like the tourism in Milwaukee was going up. The By the lake is gorgeous. So it's, you know, it's a fun place to be and fun stuff to do. And you don't need to be in this big city to do it. Yeah, yeah I think that's probably one of the biggest trends is that <clears throat> with with food is that, you know, other cities are driving their growth because of the restaurant scene. And... They could be like areas that were once, you know, once cool areas that have kind of fallen by the wayside. The gentrification movement, for better or for worse, means restaurants. There's no doubt about it. Right. You know, restaurants and bars. And um, I mean, look, Milwaukee, it's already a drinking town. You already had the brats thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got it's the like, cheese. Yeah. You got the cheese thing. Um, it's just, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I really love Bavette too. That's one of my yeah. favorite kind of restaurants. Is a place where, like, I'm I'm Midwest meat and potatoes, you know, and uh, I love going to a place that's like a butcher shop. It's also a restaurant, and 
we featured their um oh my god i mean it's just wasn't it the the tongue reuben oh my god it was the beef tongue rube so delicious and i'll tell you when i went and ate there i had a very late breakfast and eating a late breakfast at lunchtime means you had a bit of an evening the night before (laughs) and that thing it cured me and i brought my whole crew back we ate there i mean it was pretty affordable too i mean it's not crazy expensive really high quality stuff um and that's that's another thing i'd say like you know, Hello Falafel um, is essentially, well, I mean, it sounds so lame to call it this, but it's a fast casual place. You order mm-hmm. at the counter and you sit down, but it's really good quality food. And by that, like, you know, they're employing stuff that you'd expect for almost a, a once every six months kind of special occasion dinner. But it's a total you can go there once a month, if not maybe once a week, you yeah. know, if, if you're falling. <laughs> you know? if you're um, balling yeah i don't yuck man i mean like i tell you right now these days like it's amazing like how much cheaper it is when you start to really cook food at home yeah. every meal i mean i'm cooking our dishwasher i just i hope it makes it through this my <laughs> hands are very uh very raisin we got a nice little yeah. efficiency oven and our nice little efficiency sink and we get a lot yeah. of work done in there <laughs> but nowadays i think it's so apparent how restaurants were a part of everybody's really everyday life so and then now it like everything is shut down now and but, there's no life anymore because people they went out and they went to restaurants right but you like, can still get the local curbside and stuff which i think also right. is you know i love seeing that it's good that's what i think cheap eats right now being on a lot too ali i think it's probably giving people ideas of where they can get some carry out and stuff while they're stuck at home yeah 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 no 100 100 um i know for me down here in austin what you know, see see here's the big thing the big thing is is there are restaurants that are obviously found ways to adapt right and we all want to support certainly our places and you know we want to we want to make sure these restaurants are around when 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 this fog lifts right i also am like okay well I, i'm not I, I i rarely get the seafood tower i'm definitely not getting it to go so the right. question yeah. becomes this what are the foods that travel well and then to a certain degree what are the foods that almost taste better yeah later Right. Um, I'm a big believer. My latest epiphany is pizza. You know what I realized? Yeah. I really don't like pizza piping hot out of the oven. I like it to sit a bit. I enjoy reheating it, and I even like it cold. And that's been a very fun thing uh, for me to discover. And another big thing here is, um, you know, Austin's big barbecue town, right? In the last 11 years barbecues had this renaissance in the city limits of austin it used to be you'd have to go out into the texas countryside maybe 30 minutes or a couple hours away and go to these old school places then like a whole new generation of people took over and started places up in austin brisket not only travels Mm -hmm. well but it's fabulous to have not so much just like oh let's have a plate of barbecue but you buy it and you, it's almost like lunch meat. Like yeah, I was gonna say, later. put it on a sandwich. Oh my god, Good little I, onion my, bun. My yeah. kid loves he, his favorite food in the world is um, dumplings, like soup dumplings, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Oh, soup so dumplings. recently, just because you know that's pretty cool stuff we could buy in the frozen section, we bought him pho. You know the Vietnamese yeah. mm-hmm. where everyone calls it pho. So we found him at Costco. It's totally not that bad. You know, and we're in desperate times here. So you get this little bowl. And you throw it in the microwave. The broth is delicious. Rice noodles, all that. And then you know what I do? When it's done, 
I'll take up chunks of the cold brisket. I mean, it looks like it's almost rubbed in call fat. I mean, that's how rich this stuff is. You take a couple of chunks, you toss it in the soup. It warms up. Oh, that's Gives a you great some great idea. protein in there. And the contrast in flavor, the sour, mm. aromatic lift of pho from the lemongrass, the lime, uh, the vinegar, you know, rice vinegar, all that stuff in there up against the brisket. It's freaking brilliant. It's a nice like, little I, fusion dish. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I, I, it might be my lunch. I am worried about the quarantine 15. <laughs> we're way past that already we're way yeah, past that, way, we're way past that. It's, it's okay it we won't we'll just skip right over summer and go to fall and then we don't have to worry about the pool or, or the beach or anything unfortunately that's a very realistic we're, we're all gonna be moving like sloths when yeah. it uh, comes out of this right i think that's a good transition to you hand right oh now because i think it's time for an animal fact this is animal facts with hannah did you know sloths are excellent swimmers? I did not know that. Yeah. So they're, they're going to get a lot of exercise. Than they are on land. But obviously significantly faster. Because yeah. They could be faster, but I would still see a sloth in the water. I mean, just, I, I'd still see it drown. So if it can survive in water. I'm... Yeah, so they can hold their breaths for 40 minutes because their metabolism is so slow. That's wild. And I, so I was reading, they, I think they used to be marine animals. Like, okay. The marines you know, are based off a of sloth. In the Jurassic period or whatever. <laughs> I, I, so basically what you're telling me is, if I just be, if I spent more time on the couch, I'd be a better swimmer. That's, that's what you're yeah. telling me. Yeah, everybody's gotta move this a little slower. This was Michael Phelps' secret. Yeah, he never I moved know. You know, on I'm land. start calling Phelps the sloth. Yeah. <laughs> and people will be like, what's your problem? And I'll be sloth like, on it land. It shouldn't have been uh, Phelps versus the shark in that shark Discovery Channel. It should have been Phelps versus the sloth. Yeah. Phelps is the sloth. He oh, probably man. is a sloth now. Let's start this. He can't go swimming. Let's get it trending. Yeah, all right. Hashtag Phelps versus sloth. Phelps is sloth. Phelps is a sloth. I'm writing this down. I got I'm always coming up with stuff. If you do it, if I do it, Dave does it. It'll spread. It'll get viral. Yeah. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Thank you for that fact, Hannah. You're welcome. So Ali, we like to uh, share recipes on this podcast. Fast food recreations. Everyone loves them. You particularly love them. I saw you just actually did one on your uh, social media the other day. You mind sharing that recipe? You know, I mean, <laughs> I found it from the internet. You can too. I mean, look, it, I, you know, the, the other day, uh, actually, I'm going to, I have a confession to make. So I, uh, I grew up in St. Louis and a bit of a tradition in St. Louis is to go and get White Castles after an <sighs> evening out. Crave case. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I, I don't know. I, I, at the, way back in the day, I remember going, we had Steak and Shake also as well. Mm. And I would be like, why are we getting White Castle when we get Steak and Shake? And for some reason over the years, as I've, I've, I've been gifted with being able to like, you know, back up my passion with experiences of having a refined palate, I'm really enamored by why White Castle is good when it's so bad. It just is. It, it just absolutely Yeah, you know? there's a time and place We used to for always it. have the frozen White Castles in our freezer growing up, and those are even great, just in the microwave for a minute. Which, which brings me to my point. The other day, I don't know why it happened. This was pre-pandemic. My wife, we were having like kind of like a joke party. Like, let's watch the Super Bowl or watch some 
event and I think it was a UFC fight and it was like let's just have like kind of whatever food like tater tots and white castles yeah and so you know like I had like you know seven eight beers and then we had these white castles and I was like man these things are pretty good I couldn't believe it I was and I, I did my best with the microwave time you know, I, I know how you are with the microwave. I'm not just somebody who zaps it for 20 seconds at 100%. I like to go two minutes, 60%. Yeah. Ooh, low and slow, slow oh, cooking. Yeah, yeah. I, I, wow. I, I, I'm a bit of a microwave pit master, if you will, wow. right? So, so, so I, I kind of got into this White Castle thing. And then, you know, now cut to pandemic and we're at the grocery store going, well, look at the line. We better get as much stuff as we can. And I'm looking at that White Castle going, man, let's get it. <laughs> that you know looks I mean? great. Let's get it. Because we're in an age where it's like you can't just go out and satisfy an immediate craving. you got to plan, right? Yeah. And, and there's something to be said about, I'm sorry, but like, look, I, I as a kid, I grew up, like, I didn't order off the kids' menu. Like, I started eating filet mignon's medium rare at six years old. But I still love the Big Mac. Like, there's something about the flavor components you get from processed food fast food oh yeah they they fundamentally are built around recipes where all those things you really want it just has things you absolutely crave so the other day i was craving uh big mac sauce right Mm. um i love a a huge burger guy i started my blog initially my blog is called bang for your burger buck because i was always just hamburgers were my first food love right and um living in southern california for so long a classic southern california burger is going to have crunch of lettuce and thousand island so i am a big believer in burger sauce i was making sliders and thousand island all the time and then you know it struck me in this pandemic thing i was like man you know i want to try my i want to toss my hand in the ring of making a (laughs) big mac right but for me the big mac Forget the third piece of bread. I mean, I get it, and I also don't care. Just more carbs. Yeah, it's just whatever. I love the sauce. The sauce is freaking great. So the other day, I was like, I'm going to make a Big Mac sauce. Went to Google, scanned a couple recipes. Here's the Big Mac sauce that I made. And the other thing, too, full disclosure, is I'm working with, you know, a slight limited fridge. But at the same time, the general concept of the sauce you probably have. So the basis of this sauce comes down to three things. Mayonnaise, yellow mustard, and relish. Now, it should be a sweet relish. Sweet relish. I didn't relish. have a sweet relish, okay? I, had, I just had relish. It was extremely tart. Mm-hmm. It, when I mixed the three, I was like, this is starting to be a little bit more like tartar sauce, right? Important thing to recognize here, there's no ketchup. Big Mac sauce is not Thousand Island. Yes, there's mayonnaise. Yes, there's relish. But there's tartness. Now, the other thing is you want to add some sweetness, even just beyond what's in the sweet relish. I didn't have sweet relish, so I actually added sugar into it, which was part of the recipe I found. And I added um, a splash of vinegar. Looking back, Mm. white vinegar. White, and that's important. Looking back. I would have maybe thought about using rice vinegar because it's a little sweeter. So mm-hmm. the idea of that Big Mac sauce is that it's creamy, it's got the tartness of the pickle, but it's sweet. And one, I would also turn to the McDonald's fries. I mean, people always said, oh, they shake sugar on that stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, right. the whole thing's it. The, the whole thing is like the Happy Meal is just like, you know, you know how, how to give your little one diabetes. And I'm not <laughs> trashing McDonald's because I've actually been a stockholder since I was 
eight years old. But that's good a whole taste other is good taste. Yeah, that, that's a whole other story. But um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, so that 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 was a big thing with the Big Mac sauce. So relish, hmm. yellow mustard, mayonnaise, a little sugar, a little vinegar. There you go. It almost so, sounds like no a ketchup. coleslaw dressing. It well, you know, it's not too far off. I mean, that's the thing too. Is like these are all flavors that are they're not like completely foreign right you know what i mean it's just you know it's just it's i think what's interesting with the big mac sauce is that there's not ketchup in it the fact that you're not going the thousand island direction makes a big mac a big mac now here's the other thing so look i i my 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 formula for making burgers is i like to cook it on a cast iron um even if i grill i'll put a cast iron on top yeah. of the grill right it holds it in the juices here holds in the juices the grill you know you it's all dripping it's no good you know mm. if you're gonna go for a burger make it fatty and rich. yeah you want that fat absolutely and you want that sear right so i threw together the burger and i was eating it and i had cheese i had tomato in there i had the big bag sauce the one issue i had was where was the crunch i didn't have any crunch now i'm working with limited means so the other fundamental thing I believe with a Big Mac is you need that chopped up iceberg mm-hmm. and you need the chopped up raw onion. Yeah. I'm a big grilled onion guy. I'm a big In-N-Out fan and the animal styles of mm-hmm. and why. So I realized I didn't have any crunch. So I made a second version. And the second version I'm going to post on the blog next week. But again, I had to reach into the fridge. I had to see what I had, right? So I went for, this burger had the patty, it had cheese, it had pickles, and then I thought of the only other thing I had that had crunch, and it also made me think of the other thing I absolutely love about McDonald's, which is their hash browns. I put tater tots on that. Oh, I put wow. tater tots on that. So now, to your point, you were talking about, oh, it sounds like coleslaw? I almost had, like, potato salad going on. Yeah. The thing is, is this burger was, this is an exercise in comfort food about you know there's there's you know you know when you're going out and having a food adventure it's like wow this is a gourmet take or i never thought about using you know quote better ingredients or a fresh made bun this was just about creating that fast food why is this so good why why is it that perfect combo of sweet and savory you know because i Mm -hmm. think that's what the big mac hones in on so i ate that and the funny thing was is i made it with a grass-fed patty that i somehow cooked a magical medium rare (laughs) so the combination of having a burger that was a grass-fed patty medium rare plus tater tots yeah it's like eating gold yeah i was straddling i was straddling two worlds you know what i mean i was straddling two worlds i was like Wearing a tuxedo yeah. at a dive bar. Yeah, and that's why sweet and savory works. Opposites attract. Sometimes you need a high class and a little low class. It, it was some high class, low class. And I think that, that's, uh, that, you look, you know, for me, I've always been the guy who's like, oh, you should go eat here and, and try this and try that. And, you know, I've never, you know, a lot of people kind of assume with, the, you know, being on Food Network Cooking Channel, they're like, oh, you're a chef, right? I'm like, I'm not. But now I'm, I'm starting to go, I think I have a real direction of the foods i want to share which mm-hmm. is like using making things that a anybody can make that are essentially simple honing in on taste experience that i believe are tried and true that people can relate to and yeah and then straddling kind of like this high class low class thing you know yeah. because like in the end of the day 
you're always going to make something better at home quality wise because you're making it for yourself or for your family. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that you're already um, you're adding some oomph right there. You've already so added yeah. plus five points to your score. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there you have it. It's the tater tack, tater tot, mm. Big Mac burger. And uh, yeah, it's totally great. It's totally great. Love it. Love it. And you know what else is high class? Okay. Before I even go into this might be a little cheesy segue for Dave again. Tiger King, all right? Tiger King might be a little bit high class, low class, yeah, right? Is there high class? Well, I mean, they got a lot of money. Well, you know, I, well, you know what? Here's the thing. Is class, does money equate class? That's the real question. To them, yes. To the rest of the world, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, even Baskin. So, yeah, watch. I watched Tiger King. What did you think of it all? Give me one word to describe how you feel about it. It's possible. Yeah, one word. One word to describe the whole experience. Oh man. Um, oof. One word. That's a toughie. Not even an article. You know, I'm just gonna say this. It's uh, I I want to call it real America, and I and I call it that because you can't peg people as easily as you think. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I would. I I could not have come up. I mean, the actual guy. You know, um, Joe oh, Exotic. Joe Exotic. Like he, like he almost sounds like a a, a high concept Showtime. He's uh, uh Have you ever seen Waiting for Guffman? Yeah, he's Corky yeah. St. Clair. Oh God! All right, now I need to read. Now you're giving me another thing to watch. I mean, it's just, Christopher Guest. He's. I I gotta watch it. It's been a minute. I, best in shows is best. Right, yeah. you know. But <laughs> literally, when me and Hannah watched it for the first time, we were literally saying to ourselves, "This is a Christopher Guest movie." There's Eugene Levy. There's Catherine O'Hara characters. They're all right there. Actually, you know what's weird is it would be a Christopher Guest movie, <laughs> but I feel like it would it would you couldn't do it because. It could never be nearly as good. Right. Like, oh man, I... real life has outdone itself. Like this a big, time. a big cat rescue facility where the head person is allergic to cats. When they said that Carol Baskins was allergic to cats right away, I almost lost it. You know what's weird, Carol Baskin? I mean, you guys are freaking theater geeks, right? Doesn't Carol Baskin strike you as a Kathy Bates character? Yes. Yeah. Just like hi, all your cool cats and kittens. It, that you know, I, I love how everybody hung on to that one there's loads of crazy stuff but that thing right there when she said hey you cats and kittens pretty much it's the tagline in my brain yeah it is it, 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 it really is with her high sweet voice oh god well look, look let's just put cards on the table so the first thing i have to say with with, with tiger king assist is does it live up to the hype and i think it does yeah. i mean look like the show is what it is. I think what happens is, especially in this day and age, where you're like, I need something to watch, and you're like, Oh my god, you have to. And we're, we, we, it's it's the it's two ages combining, which is, Oh my god, have you you got to see this age plus, Oh my god, I need something else to yeah. watch, right. right? And and in some ways, yeah, Tiger, can anything live up to that? So I was debating between that and Ozark, which I've yet to start yet. So we started with Tiger King. Um, my wife and I both watch it together. We usually have two camps of shows. Like I'll watch like my whole batch of shows and she'll watch like anything on Bravo, right? <laughs> so this was a show we could watch together and uh, and we got to share the experience, which is fun. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was a train wreck and but I, <laughs> I, I find it really fascinating because these are people that you just don't think exist 
we like I look I cards on the table like the fact that you know you have a guy like Joe Exotic who's you know he's you know he's he's a gay man but he's a gun toting yeah he's, he's like libertarian you're like whoa that's it is like wild. everything you think could only be created in like a spoof or like a farce or some sort of outrageous outlandish comedy but you think he's like these walking contradictions and I you know I have to say after finishing it spoiler alert when he does the whole bit at the end and obviously this is to the credit of the editors and how they steered the story but when he talks about the chimpanzees right and how he's like i kept them apart for 10 years and the first thing they did was to hug each other yeah. right. like, wow you know this guy this is like complex i mean as, as insane as he was i mean shoot it's just like classic theater right it was his hubris it was his pride that outdid him he just couldn't let carol baskin go yeah you know he couldn't let her win and it sent him to jail and you know what it is worth the hype because i'm having an interesting meaningful conversation about something that was basically you know slowing down on the freeway and watching a car accident you know yeah. right and just like every episode the Come car crash away. kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger You're like what is going on and then i instantly started thinking of how they're going to make this into a movie and I actually I actually saw somewhere i think that kate mckinnon is playing carol baskin how are you gonna spoof something that already is, is like a, spoof? a spoof in real life. Well, I mean, look at SNL every week. It's spoofing yeah. the spoof of the world right now, realistically. And it's like, I see Val Kilmer in that doc guy. That yeah. is a Val Kilmer character. Steve Buscemi's, Steve Buscemi's gotta, gotta be in it somewhere. Face. I could see Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah. I Basically, you just want to see some of aging Hollywood. <laughs> right? What a great, what a great concept that could be. put on their Oklahoma accents and their animal print. I, You know, it's interesting, too, like, the, the just the sheer numbers the fact that there are more than double the amount of tigers in captivity yeah yeah it's very sad but that's crazy you know and then you know i mean i think of the people who attend the zoos you know yeah. like yeah. the people who line up carol baskin's fans i mean forget carol baskin and her second husband for a second. I just love saying Carol Baskin. I, you yeah. know what? Carol Baskin, Carol Baskin, Carol Baskin. You can't just call her Carol. No, she's Carol not Carol. Baskin. She's it's, Carol Baskin. It's amazing. I, yeah, you know, it, it's amazing. You know what? Watch it. Do you oh, think I'm it sure. would be as popular if it hadn't come out at right before the, the pandemic? Uh, I mean, it's tough to say. I think it would have been popular no matter what. Right, those true crimes yeah. are popular. I don't know if it would have the acclaim it has right now. It's pretty, I mean, I, I just think across the board, people are what You know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, number that's... one? Yeah, but I mean, what else? What else is Well, you it know is what, good. though? It is interesting because sports is out of the equation. Because sports land at specific times. So if you think about whatever content is airing on that, so we call that linear, right? So TV's linear. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's on Tuesday at 7 p.m. That means mm -hmm. you can watch whenever you want. That's the beauty of it. And they don't care. They're happy for you to watch it whenever you want. You know what I mean? Right. They just want you to keep watching and binge watch, right? But, um, you know, I would say, like, because of this stuff, uh, because there aren't live sports events happening, any show that was up against, you know, say a Monday night football is a great example. Those are the shows that are, you know, are, are going to, you know, perform better. Because right. They don't, they don't have the thing that needs to be watched live. Yeah, exactly. So that's the, that's my two cents in the land of pundits during the corona pandemic. Just all the statistics are going to be skewed for the next six months now. We can't trust anything. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. As if people weren't into conspiracy theories enough. Right. How about that Jeff Lowe, though, guy? <laughs> you know, that Jeff Lowe, it's so funny. Because at first, 
Like I needed a break from the insanity of Joe Exotic. But after a while, you're like, man, this guy. They, it really, you know, more spoiler alert. They yeah. really finish off well with the way you judge the characters. Like Jeff Lowe, like being sleazy, talking about, oh, I want my babysitter to be really pretty or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, yeah, you're a... And he's just the way he is. He's so scummy, man. He, he reminded like, me of a Breaking Bad character. Oh, yeah. Good point. You know what? Totally. Like, you know what? He is probably borderline white supremacist. Like, he's oh, not yeah. all the way there, but he's definitely been like, I was there. I heard the guy talk. You know what I mean? He wasn't, you know, wearing the clown outfit. Like, yeah. I breathe the same air. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been super fun, Ali. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us on this episode of Food in the Film. I hope you are enjoying your time at home with your family, staying safe, staying clean. I got one last parting thought for you, though, before you go. This uh, debate, we'll call it, caused quite the stir between me and Hannah because we're not on the same page as this and uh, also caused a little bit of commotion on my social media pages. So, Wheat Thins or Triscuit? Oh, my God. I, I, I'm pretty indiscriminate. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I'm going to be Switzerland right now. I'm a Carr's Cracker guy. Um, <laughs> it's been a minute since I've had a week then. I feel like I, the Triscuit, that's the thing where it feels like you're almost like eating an oatmeal cracker, right? Right. It it's like, like braided. It's grainy. Yeah. Dry. It's like a, yeah, oh my no, God. It's like a I mean, mini wheat. You know what's weird? It, it, it's one of those things that's like so like healthy and I socially like it that I'll accept eating it. Because yeah. it's polar opposite of a refined cracker. But um yeah, I don't know. I mean like look, I'm a guy who'd rather pick it like salami. <laughs> well, <laughs> salami on top of the wheat then with some cheese, artichoke dip. Mm, I'm a Triscuit girl. I'm gonna have to go for Team Triscuit. Yeah, you know? Great. I, I think wheat thin is just kind of like it's 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 what the name implies. Yeah, kind of thin, thin on the wheat. They're not you know? great. If you want me to eat like a horse, then I will eat. I mean, I feel like that Triscuit, it's it, it's like it was compiled from, like, grass clippings. You know, it's yeah. like hay. It's like hay. It's like actually eating hay. Yeah. And that's what I don't I like, like about it. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it's the thing. It's like, why, you know, that, then I would say, let's just go the opposite direction. Let's have bacon-wrapped bacon. You know what I mean? Mm. This carb There's an idea. Bacon. There's a quarantine meal bacon right there. Bacon-wrapped bacon chips. Dehydrated <laughs> to make chips. Oof. <laughs> I think that's a Shark Tank right there. I think that's a Shark Tank product we could bring up. You know what? (laughs) I think my next foray is going to be rethinking White Castle with bacon. You know, I think. (gasps) I mean, not that you couldn't do it already, but, you know, just rethinking it. Maybe it's more bacon than burger. How about that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) A bacon tower with a little patty underneath it. Yeah, the the burger could be the garnish. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, we could reverse order everything. (laughs) Um... Well, yeah. All right. Awesome. Ali, thank you so much. So where can people find you on social media? So I make it simple now. Ali Khan Eats. My name, Ali Khan Eats. Um, That's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. And that's my Facebook page, too. Awesome. That is easy. It's been a great time. Enjoy whatever day it is, whatever time it is. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Happy whatever this day. Happy today. We're all living in the moment. There you go. All right, Ali. Appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you want to subscribe, you can to Food in a Film on any of your podcast apps. Follow us on social media, Food and a Film Pod. Food and a Film 
Pod. Thanks for listening. Stay awesome.